Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn. I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen, and I head up branding at Ballard. And we are your hosts. Hi. So our guest today is our Senior Vice President of Merchandising and Design, Sky Kirby Westcott. She has been at Ballard for, let's see, what, three years now? Yeah. And um, you have in pr- prior lives were an interior designer. You've worked at some of our favorite brands um, or many of our listeners' favorite brands. And um you have an extensive background in design and merchandising and obviously a love for interior design. So thank you for joining us tonight. I, um, well, of course we're recording in the evening and that's why I say tonight because, um, that's the only time where it's actually quiet at me and Taryn's house. So <laughs> thank you all for <laughs> being accommodating. Sky, I feel like we've been trying to get you on this podcast for like a, over a year. Haven't we? Um, Maybe longer. Yeah. Well, because your job, you travel all the time for work. You're always on three-week trips to Asia or India or uh, hopefully Paris, but you're always on the go. Yes. Yes. This um, quarantine, there there is a little light with it. Um, I have been home without travel for six weeks, I think. So... Well, I imagine that now that you're home for so long, or is there certain stuff around the house that you maybe wouldn't have noticed, but because Ooh, you're really just so much. First of all, I would say in regards to that, I love my house, which um, was really nice to spend this much time. I love my home. It's It really feels like home. And I think that's the most wonderful feeling is to have a place that feels like home. It's such a gift. Yeah. I feel so grateful for it right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. I agree. Um, but gardening, um, actually, um, one of my um, kind of things that I always feel guilty about at this house is I haven't found a gardener I like or that likes me or that likes <laughs> my garden. Um, and um, and it's teeny. I live in the city, so it's a tiny garden. Um, and I've just taken it on myself and it's been fun. It's nice to get your hands dirty and in feel accomplished enjoy the sunshine yeah, so too probably because it the weather has been so great yeah but over has, the last over time. the last couple of years sky you've had a few houses i mean i'm kind of jealous to be honest because i've lived in my house for 15 years or something and i, I have to be honest it's getting a little boring but you have you always describe because you moved here from la and before that you were east coast girl so you were kind of east coast girl for many years moved to LA, then moved back to Georgia. But you describe your place in LA as a little, what do you call it? You like a, a little tree house. A tree house. <laughs> and so you I had, had to, all these vibes all over that you've been able to channel, which is so cool to me. Which I think as a designer, you know, and not a designer that has one look, um, it's been, that's been a gift because you do have these you, you kind of love many things. And so to, to choose one style for your home is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which I've never done because I'm crazy. <laughs> but but um, but in California, um, I still owned my house in Boston at the time, and um, so I had to start from scratch. And so I was able to kind of create this little healing oasis of um, a very California vibe with lots of plants and lots of white linen and. Moroccan rugs and texture, and it was awesome, um, which was very different than my 1740s um, cape that was Abraham Lincoln's great uncle's house in Boston. That's crazy. Um, so um, that's cool. Very, yeah. very different looks and feels. Um, and but what's funny about that is it's really been in my later life. Uh, <laughs> um, Your late hard. 30s. <laughs> I lived in a house in Connecticut for 16 years. And um, then I bought another house in Connecticut um, and then bought the house in Boston and then bought the house or got the house in California. So um, it was really the latter part of, you know, these last 15 years that I've had lots of change. Movement. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. How would you say your Atlanta house, is it a little bit of everything? Is it a whole right. new direction? Um, so I, um, my house in Connecticut was very eclectic and colorful. And then I met um, my late husband. Um, and um, he was a modernist. And so when we bought our house in Connecticut together, I merged our two styles together and um, used modern pieces with more traditional pieces, but chose a mo more of a monotone um, theme throughout the house. Mm -hmm. And um, that house kind of flipped into our Boston house very comfortably. And then it kind of shrunk down <laughs> to my little house in Atlanta and has worked. So, so, so Scott, is that a good way to, to figure out how to meld to people's styles? Because you said you were very eclectic and color colorful. He was modernist. So you just sort of rearranged the palette and that brought them together. Oh, look, no, no. Taryn's joining my new. turn. <laughs> no? <laughs> I had to buy new. No, um, as they say in relationships, you have to compromise, um, especially when you're married to a designer because he also was a designer, a different type of designer, but he had a very strong opinion. And I basically, I loved him so much that I wanted to make him happy in the house and kind of, I said to Caroline that I have a nutty style. Like I love so many styles. Yes. That it was easy to make a house that he loved that I still loved. Right. So, um, cause no, I, I've been around you a lot and pretty much if it's beautiful, you love it. Yeah. <laughs> right. You. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, my nieces have all benefit benefited from these, you know, changes. So <laughs> oh, you're yeah. the best aunt ever. Yes, yes. Yes. Well, I do think that's a great way to think about it because, um, you know, I, it's, we have lots, we get lots of differing opinions on how to merge two styles. Mm -hmm. Some, a lot of designers come in here and say, I don't give my husband an opinion. I do what I want. Sometimes we do that. The three of us have done that before, but you know, there has to be some, like something that you both like. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, and I, I would say with Mike, I loved modernism. You know, I love that style and I love pieces um, that are from the 50s and, and 60s. And um, I think they 
they integrated with my aesthetic so easily. Um, and so it worked. You know, it's also with design. I mean, some designers design to a look. You're, you're, you're buying into them because you love their look. Mm-hmm. That actually is not the type of designer I have been through my career. Um, one of the things that I love to do is to really uh, get to know the customer. Um, someone taught me early on in my career, um, ask, the, ask your customer what she doesn't like. Mm-hmm. And it's such an interesting question because they'll, they'll come right out. But if you ask them what they like, they're like, oh, well, you know, I like color. Uh-huh. I like flowers. But <laughs> they, they, they don't know how to tell you exactly what they, they love often, but they can tell you what they don't like. Once I had a customer who didn't like Stripe and they and that customer, she found Stripe in everything like you would have a solid and she found a Stripe in it. And <laughs> but, you know, she knew she didn't like Stripe. And so you could design amongst that. Um, and I that's one of the things I love about design is it's such a challenge to figure out that path through the especially when it's a couple, because like you said, the couple doesn't always agree. And so you're maneuvering through this thing that you ultimately want to deliver them this beautiful home, this house that they can feel safe and warm and secure in and bring up their families. And yet they probably are coming from two different places. And so it's your job then to melt it. So I had had a lot of training when I did meet Mike. (laughs) Well, tell us how you got into design in the first place. So I um, grew up in a family of eight kids on the East Coast. And um, when you're the seventh of eight, you're kind of lost in the shuffle. And so I used to dream about, you know, moving my room around and, and I would draw furniture and my dad made me a few things. And then I was fortunate enough to go to Sweden as an exchange student um, when I was 17. And when I was 17, it was 1981. And in that time in the United States, there weren't a lot of home furnishing stores, if any. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I honestly think people bought, must have bought the furniture from Sears or from, um, yeah. you know, <laughs> department stores. stores. Yeah, department and, stores, sure. Or, and or hire designer. So there wasn't all the brand names that are there today. I mean, no she options. Has, she has so many options today. Mm-hmm. There was no internet. Right. <laughs> um, and so, uh, and there was no Instagram, there was no Pinterest. Um, <laughs> and so I went to Sweden and, and I'd grown up in a beautiful home. My mother had a, had beautiful taste. They were, they collected art. So, I mean, it wasn't like I hadn't seen beautiful homes before, but, but I went to Sweden and every home I went into was beautiful. And whether it was a single girl and it was her first apartment to, you know, an older couple who was having us over for for dinner, uh, they took such care in how they decorated their homes. And I was also fortunate, one of my um, Swedish sisters, as you call it when you're an exchange student, worked for Ikea. And Ikea had not come to the United States yet. It was 1981. Um, I'd never heard of them, never seen them. And I went there as this little 17-year-old in awe of this amazing company and just fell in love with the whole 
idea of form, function, uh-huh. meet, meets beauty and design. And that's really where it began. Wow. Wow. That's really cool. I did not know that, Sky. And you're and you're Swedish too, right? I, I am half Swedish. My mother, if she she's gonna probably listen to this, so I have to say that I'm half Irish or else you know <laughs> she likes to remind me. <laughs> I love it. Why do you think culturally they just you know, the Swedish have these homes that are so much homier or beautiful? I wouldn't say they are today, Taryn. This was back in, you know, the eighties before we had exposure to product in the same kind of way. Um, You know, I think one, they entertain a lot at home. It's very expensive to go out. And so they, they love to entertain, have dinner parties. I used to say um, later in my career, I worked for Ikea and I lived in Sweden working for Ikea. And I used to say that art of conversation is still alive because they just would love to have long dinner parties with very intense conversations. And um, it was, I really enjoyed it. And I think actually right now, the art of conversation is back for all of us because that's the only way we can feel connected today is by being on Zoom or WebExes <laughs> or FaceTimes and right. connect. So Right. So you said the Swedish did care a lot more about their homes. Do you think that's changed culturally? I think the Swedes found a way, they're very simple in design, meaning that one antique chest is the hero in the room. And, you know, Mm -hmm. the rest of the room could be so simple, but that piece carries the room. Uh Um, And it's just their aesthetic difference and Got it. So then what did you do? So you, you did Ikea? No. So then you went to work at Ikea? Yes. Later after school. Yeah. So I went to uh, work for Ikea. I was with them for eight years and um, my career follows relationships. (laughs) So I, So um, I'm going to be working with you the rest of my life. Yes, uh, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And so um, I, my last position in North America was I was responsible for living rooms in North America, um, at, which took us over to Sweden a couple times a year for what they called a fair, which um, IKEA designed to develops all their product, not unlike Ballard Designs. So the fair would be where the countries go to see the product development, choose what they want from the assortment and work with the designers to develop new products. And when I went over there, I met a man fell in love, found a job in two weeks, came back to the United States and said I was moving to Sweden. Wow. So (laughs) um, I went to Sweden and um, I was the creative director for the catalog um, for ECAP, IKEA Catalog Advertising Production, and um, had never seen a Mac, never done anything like that. The guy came to teach me how a Mac worked in Swedish and I was like, just tell me what buttons to push. I don't need to know how it works. Um, and, you know, it was <laughs> crazy that I had this tremendous opportunity put in front of me and um, really was an awesome job. Um, my clients were IKEA US and IKEA North um, Canada. And um, we worked on special projects for European IKEAs. Um, but it really worked as an individual um, company. Um, producing all the creative for 
um, IKEA. And it has actually the largest in-house studio um, in Europe. So it was pretty cool to work there. Um, and then, of course, that guy was gone. And oh, I the met, husband. Uh -huh. Oh, nope, I didn't marry him. I just... Oh, the dude. Okay, just a dude, <laughs> the not Swedish a husband. Dude. Okay. But Keep on the one of my straight. trips back to the States, <laughs> I met a, I, one of the women I worked for um, at IKEA. Um, she worked in Philadelphia. I was visiting, um, doing a presentation, and... She introduced me to her son, who is my daughter's father, and um, we started dating. He was British and he lived in England, but then he wanted to move to the States and I was living in Sweden. So I ended up moving back to the States. Um, but when I did that, I had come home for Christmas and I interviewed for a little startup called Anthropology that um, the owner, Dick Hane of Urban Outfitters, was um, putting together and... We met over Christmas and I moved back in January and started working for Anthropology, basically at the very beginning stage of their business. Of the home part or of all of no, it? All of Anthropology. Oh, there was, okay. There was no Anthropology. The first Anthropology was in Wayne, Pennsylvania, um, in an old car factory. And um, it was what most would have said a random location. Um, and it was before the internet still. And... Um, Dick said, I'm going to build it and they're going to come. And I guess he was right. Yeah, he was right. <laughs> we all <laughs> went there. And mm -hmm. um, so I worked there um, for like four years and um, I had a baby with my ex-husband and um, we moved up to um, Westport, Connecticut because um, we were going to be opening stores all through New York, Connecticut, Long Island, and I was head of opening stores and, and the design and merchandising of the stores. So I um, moved there and would go to Philly like once a week and um, till it became too hard with a little child when I was gone all the time. And so I left there and um, had my own store design business for a little bit, um, doing store design, um, and then I was introduced to ABC Carpet and Home. And in New York. Oh, in New we York. are all in love with that. Mm -hmm. So I went to ABC and I was there for four years. I was there during September 11th. Um, very difficult time, not only as a human, but as a person running a business. So what's happening right now um, brings back a lot of hard memories. Um, but we got through it as Americans do, and we will. Um, and, but it, I think the hardest part of September 11th and that experience was um, my daughter being in Connecticut and me being in New York um, and oh, not and, being uh, able muting. to get home uh -huh. quickly that evening. Um, and so couple, I guess a year later, one time I get a call and the owner of Lily in August calls me and says, how would you like to not commute anymore? <laughs> I said, <laughs> I'd love it. And it was three miles from my home and I became the creative director of Lily in August and was there for 12 years. Um, and uh, then uh, I met the love of my life um, and we um, got married and he got a fantastic job in Boston. So we moved to Boston. And I bought that wonderful 1740s home um, that was published in um, Country Living. Um, 
and uh, uh, he unfortunately passed away. And after that is when I moved to California and moved into my little treehouse oasis and worked for HG Buttercup. And then one day I got a call um, from a good mutual friend of Karen and mine um, from Domino Magazine. And she said, I know these girls that I think you'd like. And she introduced me to Ballard. And when I went and met the team and especially Karen, I was hooked. And there you go. You talked earlier um, about how you love all different types of styles. And I do think that that's something that Ballard does well. We, you know, we do have kind of our Ballard look, but we also have a lot of different styles Uh than our pieces. So is that something that you liked about the brand? Did you not notice or not when you were interviewing? Um, You want to know what? So, um, I had worked, um, I don't always fill in all the blanks. I worked for our house for a year and a half in between Lily and August and HD Buttercup. And we had a store down in Florida and next to our store was a Ballard design. And I had received the catalog um, of Ballard. My mom swears she didn't, but my mom used to get the catalog and I used to steal it from her, you know, um, and um so then life passed and whatever. And now I'm in Florida and I'm like, oh, there's a Ballard design. I'm going to go into it. And I went into it and I was so impressed with the quality of the product that I hadn't felt necessarily from my perception from the book from years ago, like this the book. the book meaning the catalog. That's the catalog, what we call the catalog is the book. <laughs> yes. And I call it that not just from Ballard, from previous companies yes. too, but um and um, be- because I hadn't seen a recent catalog. I hadn't seen a catalog probably since the early 90s. And so I went in and I was like so impressed with the with the quality and then the staff. And I am not saying this. They were so amazing. And having come off years of working with commission salespeople, it was so amazing to work with people who just were there to make me happy. Mm-hmm. And I walked up to the fabric department and, of course, fell in love with the Suzanne Kassler linens and then heard the price and was blown away that a couple weeks later when I was back in Boston, I was doing a design project for a friend whose daughter was getting married. And I ended up doing the entire thing from Ballard because I knew (laughs) I could get it quickly and um, fast. And sorry, John Reed from our house. I'm admitting it. <laughs> and so I had experienced Ballard. I experienced the staff. I'd experienced the product. I'd, um, I'd been just super impressed with all of it. And so when I got that phone call, I, I, I can be a bit of a retail snob, but I didn't have to be because I've been, you know, approached by brands that I couldn't work for. Like the brand is really important who I work for. I have to love the product. Mm-hmm. I have to love the brand. And when my friend called me and said Ballard, I was like, yes, sign me up. Let's talk. <laughs> and it, it was no hesitation. And to your point, Caroline, yes, I love that there are many styles and we're only adding to that um, in our product development we're doing um, because I think a customer doesn't define herself necessarily by rustic, traditional, 
modern. She's mostly, I think we'd find they're mostly eclectic in some form or fashion. Right. You know what, as you were saying that, it's so funny. I think about that um, grid where we all do our um, personality tests, you know, where you have the four letters and it's like introvert, extrovert, you know, your I-C-E-M-U or whatever. I don't even know what they are, but you know, most people know their letters of what they or are. numbers. Michaela does one with numbers. Right. But <laughs> you're never just one. You're never just one letter. You're like, um, I'm, I'm a I'm, seven and a two. Right. I'm like a highly extrovert, but I'm an introvert in these ways. So like that, I think that's sort of the same way. Like we think about design styles, right? There's, there's mm-hmm. always a little bit of everything to the right mix. You know, you well, don't you want it to be one person, note. You know, they often get something from their family as a, ha- you know, a handy down or something, you know, like, right. and, and then they've got to incorporate that into their style. Well, or like me, I loved my orange velvet sectional that I had when I married Mike. It had to go. But there were other parts of that room, like I had a, a rug ottoman that I still have today because I loved it. Well, I think that's, yeah, and that's part of, I think everybody grows up, you start somewhere, yeah. right? Like we, we all started with nothing. So at some point, it, like you said, it's either your family or something you've picked up and you either cherish it or it filled a need. And now you get to get a piece that really you love. You outgrow Um, it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think Bunny Williams has a thing where she talks about, you know, you kind of figure out the layout of your room and this corner, I'm gesturing behind me, you know, it needs a console or I've got this dining room table and it fits the footprint. I might not be in love with it. Might be the one that I got from the, you know, I got it from my mom and I painted it and I repurposed it here. In five years, I'm going to upgrade that table. Maybe in another 15 years, I'm going to upgrade that table again. But it's it's still the right size. It's the right proportion. You know, probably stylistically, it might even be the same, but you can upgrade that quality as time goes by and evolve the look of your room too. It doesn't all have to be 100% right, right when you start. It can't be because well, it's going to feel plastic agree with Taryn that your style evolves right? or the, there's a thing. That's why it is nice to have multiple rooms because <laughs> you can have multiple personalities. If you know, you do it not too strict, you know, that they can evolve from one room to the next, or you do something common. Like when I bought this house, I had just come back from Scandinavia and I ended up painting the entire thing white. So there, there was the cleanliness of the white going from room to room so that I could do different things in each room and it would flow still. So mm-hmm. what, so, okay, we haven't talked to, I, we sort of touched on product design a little bit um, just now, but I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into that because um, that is a big part of what you do. And that's one of the reasons we talked at the beginning about how much you travel and that's one of the reasons you travel so much. So I was wondering if you could maybe talk about why you love product design, where you're getting your inspiration, mm-hmm. um, what trends are you looking forward to? Um, so maybe what are you looking forward to go away? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's there's some pieces. <laughs> um, so as I travel whether it's personal or professional, because I do both because my family is now all over the place, um, as well as we travel to our factories and and to trade shows and 
um, for inspiration trips. Um, I find inspiration from everything. I mean, it could be um, in a on a trip to Norway, the stone of this old church was just so such a beautiful patina colored, you know, it's from the 16th century or something, but it's beautiful. So I take pictures of that. Um, I loved Little Women. It's crazy. I just loved the colors in oh, there. Oh, the movie, and, the movie. Yes, uh-huh. the movie Little Women that came out last fall. Not that, just short ladies. No, not little. <laughs> <laughs> well, short ladies are inspiring. My, family. my daughter's five foot tall. So yes, I like short ladies. I like little women, but, um, <laughs> um, but little women was just such a visual uh, feast for me. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just the colors and the textures and that the family home and the warmth of the home. It was very much another favorite movie of mine is, um, Fanny and Alexander, um, an Ingmar Bergman movie. And the Christmas scene in that movie is that same kind of feeling of just the warmth of love and and the holiday that just emanates through the, the scenes. Um, and um, so I can get inspiration from that. I can get inspiration on a factory trip and we see a wall of legs and you know, maybe there's a table leg legs there. or human. Anything, act, not table legs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> human legs. Little women's legs. <laughs> um, no, like legs for chairs, cabinets, beds, mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I always take tons of those pictures for Taryn because Taryn works with me in in her real life, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and though I'm not very good at putting my pictures on the server and sharing, but um, I try. Um, But I usually know where they are. (laughs) When we're talking about something, I'll pull back a picture from some random store I was in and say, what about this? Um, Right. And um, so finding inspiration everywhere is super exciting. Um, And then seeing how that can work into the creation of a product that, and maybe it was something you never even thought of when you saw that you just saw a finish or you saw a piece Uh of stone or you saw something and you took it, but you didn't know where that was going to end up. But now we're looking at a drawing and we're talking about a product and I'm like, I think I have a finish for you. Look at this. Uh-huh. Thing. So, or so a color. You're, you're a cat of like a file. What do you call that? A card catalog of yes. <laughs> inspiration. So it isn't like it is. It's not that you go into a store and you say, I like that. Let's make one of those. It's that's a beautiful no, color I would, and you file it away. And yeah. then you're somewhere else. And you're like, that's a beautiful turning. You file it away. And 22 of these components come together later. Or maybe it's you're even solving a problem in your own life or um, you know, I need I need a solution for this in my house. Let's bring all these pieces of memory together and build something. Yes, yes. Sounds I like hard. I, I would say, like <laughs> I'm I'm carrying. Taryn knows this. I have this picture on my wall at Bal- in my office in Ballard. I have it on my phone, and it's this beautiful Louis bench, but it has the most beautiful fabric on it, and. In my mind, it is a printed velvet. And so I've been in the hunt for someone who could do us printed velvets, which we found now. And now Taryn doesn't know it, but she's going to be drawing the art for this because with digital printing, you can 
create a fabric that rather than it having a repeat and it turns over and over, you can make it specifically for that bench. And right. so that has been a dream of mine. Literally, I've had it for like six years. Mm-hmm. And it was just finding the vendor who could do it. And so sometimes the things you want to build, you can't build because you haven't found the right artisan. Yeah. Right. Right. And it's, it's, it's so interesting. It's, and, you know, for us, you know, we're, it's equally important that we make beautiful product, but it's got to also be at the right price. Right. And, um, yeah. Sure. So, yeah. You can make anything at a price. Exactly. I mean, I always, you know, one of my first discussions with clients when I was doing design would be budget. And no one likes to discuss budget, but anyone can design unlimited. It's right. far harder to understand their their needs and their wants and then develop and design something that meets that within a proper budget. Now, most customers don't know what their budget is. So then what I would always do is kind of what you were saying Bunny does is I would plan out the pieces that are needed and then give them a good, better, best price point. And so that sideboard behind you might be something they want to do best in because it's in a highly visible space in your home and it, and it's important to you. Whereas the little bedside chest in your guest bedroom maybe can just be a good. Right, um, right. And so then you come up with this budget and you can agree on it. So um, I think I think budget's important. And I think budget for us, when we look at product, you know, we want to have, you know, unfortunately, everything can't be cheap and cheerful um, because if you want quality and you want quality finishes and you want quality craftsmanship on the product, all of those things come at a cost. Um, right. But to have a balance of things that hit the different price points, I think, are important. Well, and I think, you know, I, I always want to be proud when I run into someone and they ask where I work and I say Ballard. I, I always want to be proud of that. You know, and they, I want them to be like, oh my God, I love it. And I've had these things for 22 years and they're so great, you know? So it is a fine line between finding that quality and finding that price. So it's still affordable. Let me ask you something Mm -hmm. about that budget part, Sky, if I can, if, if someone doesn't have, you know, you you said budget's kind of the hardest part. Well, cause I would say 90% of my clients in my past have not had a budget. I've had to create this little exercise for them. Sure. But like, even like if I said to Joe Mooney, Joe, um, I'm redoing the living, I'm redoing the living room and it's going to be 40 grand. Mm -hmm. He would lose his mind. Okay. Okay. Let's just be realistic. If you like get down to it and you emptied a living room and you started it from scratch, it doesn't really matter unless you go to Goodwill or something, it's going to add up. You've got three to 5,000 for a sofa. You've got probably 2,000 for a rug on an inexpensive side. You know, you've got art, you've got bookcases, you've got a couple more chairs, you've got lamps. It adds up. Yeah. Right. So even if it's not 50 grand, it's going to, you know. Anyway, it, it adds up. And I think that that's why for me and design, I always made the client part of it. And it was, so I remember I have a fun story um, about a client who they'd bought a house up on the Cape and the husband and wife came in. It was, I think, a three-bedroom house. Um, and it was. Um, they said, you know, we'd like to hire you to do this, blah, blah, blah. Um, I said, okay, do you have any idea budget? No, you tell me. And I said, well, let's look at it. And I kind of briefly just sketched over with, you know, paper, you know, okay, well, if we put a sectional here, blah, 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 you know, came up. 
I said, all right, let me go back and work on some numbers. So I worked on some numbers and one number came in, I think it was like 90,000 and the other was 120. And he goes, okay, I want to be at 105. Right. Right And I was like, okay. But he was part of it. He didn't, I didn't just go out and say 105. Like, he was part right. of knowing all the pieces, like what, not choosing the pieces yet, not saying that's the sectional I'm putting mm-hmm. there, but a sectional, mm-hmm. this is how much a sectional is. Right. You know, roughly. But let me ask you, Sky. So say I don't, I, I know it's going to cost $105,000 to furnish my house or whatever the number whatever. is. Okay. How do I, but I don't have $105,000. You don't have to. This right. So how do, where do I start? What do you feel like the key components to start with are? So for me and everyone's different and and I just know for myself, I like to complete a room. Mm-hmm. So, OK, for, that's a good. OK, good idea. All right. Yeah. I like it already. So mm-hmm. like <laughs> I'm going to use Connecticut. Sorry. But in Connecticut, there's a lot of people who buy big homes. Mm hmm but they've moved from a small little apartment in New York Mm -hmm. and they have no furniture. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. they would come to me and they, okay, I need to furnish my whole house. Okay. So we talk about budget and they, you know, and Hey, it's a big house. The house is expensive. You don't have to furnish it all. But they would start going, Oh, well we need a piece for here and we need a piece for here and we need to, and I'm like, let's do one room that's complete. So Mm -hmm. at night or if it's your bedroom, it's when you go to it, you feel Uh, rather than just a bunch of pieces all over the place. So that's for someone who just doesn't have stuff, Mm -hmm. okay? Then there's the person who has evolved. They've they've gotten older, they've collected pieces, they've gotten married, they had pieces, you have pieces, you've had to meld those pieces together. I'd still say the same thing. I would say don't start piecemealing it all over the place. Uh You've lived with it, it's fine. Right. But let's do one room and make it beautiful. Uh And in a year, two years, five years, you want to do the next room, do that, but make a room complete so you feel accomplished. It seems to me like if you don't do that, you're just going to be constantly spending, you know, 50 here, 100 there, and you're just going to constantly be shelling because you're never fully satisfied. So then you're always like trying to Make it better, but nothing you ever well, really even do think, gets it there. Right. So then you're just wasting your money. I even think like for younger people, having a plan so that when you do see something on the internet or you do go to an outlet store, hopefully Ballard, um, mm-hmm. or you, you, your neighbor is getting rid of something, you're not just taking it or buying it because it's cheap. Right. It's part of the plan. Right. It fits. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think that you can say like, well, I did pitfall. want a round coffee table that was roughly 36 inches and like, this is a good deal. So I'll get it. But the other five times you go to wherever and it's a square one, that's way too big. Mm-hmm. Then you'll say, okay, this does not fit into my layout. Right. Yes. Like, move along. I don't care how much I like money. it. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a chair problem. I love chairs. Like, mm. I, I I just gave my two Swedish chairs we bought in France to my niece. See, another niece you gave did? me product. Yep. And she's already recovered them and they look adorable. But, um, but the point is I didn't need two chairs. Right. Like I don't I don't need them, but I just I like I literally love, love chairs. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, but I think <laughs> it's so smart, the idea of having a plan, like sitting down and figuring out what you need, even if it's just, okay, I need a console that's, or, or something. I need an item that's 36 by 18. That's going to be able to throw my mail on. I'm going right. to be able to put my keys. Ahead, maybe whatever. it's a chest. Maybe it's a console. Maybe it's a shelf. Yeah. Who knows? But I know this is my dimension. And I know what I like, and I'm just going to keep looking until and you, find, you find it. Well, that would also happen mm-hmm. with clients um, who you would get everything designed and they were like, just do art. And I can't just do art. Like art is so important to a home and it's such a part of your travels, your life, your um the personality of the emotional, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I've had some great clients that I've gotten to go to art shows with to choose art. Um, you know, there's a wonderful, um, what's it called? The inexpensive art fair or something in New York. It's, it, it doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to be something that works for their, their emotion. And that from my side of, from the design side works with the aesthetic so that it, it works, but right, um, right. but I can't just throw art up on the wall. It 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 feels wrong. Like that doesn't mean that they couldn't go to Ballard and find pieces of art that mean something to them. Absolutely, they can do that. Um, we can also frame photographs. That's something. I I did a project um, out in Long Island, and she had fallen in love with a black and white photographer on a trip and she ended up buying a whole collection of them and we got them framed and that's their very formal living room and it was not some famous black and white photographer it was just kind of a simple black and white photographer but she loved it and so every time she walked in there she thought of that trip and that experience and I think that's super important so Agreed. Well, so you're, one of the questions I actually had on my list was about... First of um, all, I admire that you have a list. Okay. I think that's great. <laughs> you know what? It's 8.30. It's 9.30. I was up at 6. Oh, shoot. It's 9.30. Okay. We started at 8.30. Mm-hmm. All right. Also, uh, I'm, you know, I admire you. <laughs> well, okay. So, you know, we've talked a lot about um, how... or I, not we haven't talked about it specifically, but you have mentioned several times how you're you're you know you're always kind of looking for your clients' um, direction or it's really about their personality and what they want, what they're looking for. And I was curious um, about your own home and if there's something that you're always a room doesn't feel like it's you without. X, Y, Z. Like, is there something that you're always adding mm. that makes it feel yes. like, oh, this come on, you. Taryn, life. Taryn and Karen totally know the answer to this. <laughs> I've, all right, Taryn, you say something and then I'll say something. Say it at the same time. <laughs> That's the <laughs> I think test, Taryn, My first room when you walk into the right. Well, I was oh, books. Yes. Oh, books. Yes. I was going to say first. I've never I even been to your house, but I don't. You know, I think it's because I really appreciate her wardrobe. And so I feel like for me, that's honestly my takeaway is anytime she has something new on, there's always some embellishment that makes it unique. Mm-hmm. And so and I know how odd it was. I was gonna be like, oh, something really cool. Right, like a bead or a fur or a tassel or a, you know, something like that. I like I'm, I'm rubbing my hands together like yeah. that. 
I like throws. You do like I have throws yeah, like in every room detail. in the house, actually. Throws? Okay. But, See, I didn't know throws. But I definitely have a book problem. Um, and it's it it was a joke um because in Boston I had a huge library and it was full. And in California, all those books stayed in Boston. So I got to start buying books again. Oh, and a friend of mine who had lived near me in Boston. She also lived near me in California, just totally weirdly. Um, her and her husband had moved out there. And we would go to book signing. And she's like, you're not allowed to buy the book. And I was like, I'm buying the book. And um, it just, I, 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 whether I go to, my favorite place in a museum is the gift shop. I always buy the book on the um, art exhibit I've seen. I always buy the book when I go to book signing. Um, I'm not one of those calculations when we calculate how many people are going to buy the book. I'm the person who buys the book. Um, but do you go back and read them later? What do you do with them? Um, so I, I cannot say that I've read them all, mm -hmm. but I definitely am inspired by them. Most of them have post-it notes somewhere in them or, um, yeah. Um, I mean, I, and I, even when like I'm coming up with the themes for our stories, I'll go through some of them because I'll have something in my head like, okay, I want to do a greenhouse. Let me, I remember in that book, she had this really beautiful, you know, and I'll go back and look at that for inspiration. Um, I don't know. I don't know why they give me comfort. Does anyone have any final questions before we get to our decorating dilemma? I was going to ask, where is Ballard headed visually for you? Oh, good question. <laughs> so, um, remember, we can cross Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> to Sweden, yes. To Scandin no, it is. It definitely is being influenced by Scandinavian design um, and Northern European, which Northern European's always been an influence, but I would say. Um, you know, Holland and Belgium um, and Sweden and Norway and Denmark and Finland um, have definitely influenced me over the last couple of years. And I definitely see a trend in not only modern Scandinavian product, but traditional Gustavian and that mixture of eclecticism. And so we have... Um, you know, I have eight merchants and four designers and Taryn's the head of our design department. And we have been pushing that Gustavian um, Scandinavian aesthetic. I would say some categories have embraced it faster and we've moved faster. But I think you'll see more of that coming um, over the next months and next year. That said, um, I still think color is really relevant. And um whether it's uh, color uh, in a bedding collection um, where we don't really, we tend to be, you know, spa and white or indigo and white, or we have a couple mm -hmm. of colorful bedding collections coming up because we feel color is definitely important. Um, our summer books obviously are very colorful. They were definitely inspired by a lot of European outdoor magazines from last year. So the Bermuda and um, yellow, shoot, what's our yellow called? I'm sorry. Lemon maybe? Um, was, um, I think it's know, lemon. Super inspired by um, what we saw in the magazines from last year. Those are the outdoor I fabrics you're talking about that you see. If you get a catalog lately, it's on the front cover. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, it's super difficult because we're working right now, Taryn and I, and our team is working on, um, next May. And I was thinking about it, um, today that, you know, I'm working on the January catalog and what it's look is going to be. And we're working on product development for May. And just in like two months, we're going to be working on holiday for the year after. Wow. Well, I have a question. Do you have face masks in the assortment for next MA (laughs) with some umbrella fabric? (laughs) Um, Well, Well, we have a couple vendors who are really into doing it. Um, But um, we do uh, quite a few of our vendors right now are actually making face masks. That was just great. Yeah, Um, but color I think is going to be needed too. I think um, for so long everything's been beige and ceruzed oak and linen, you know, just white linen. And I think she wants color. I think, you know, it's important. All right. It's from Grace. And she says, I was gardening, listening to your podcast with Fern Yip. After he took all of us through the mental exercise of imagining walking into the most nurturing, warm environment for each of us. And at the end said, if your overall impression of your home isn't what she just pictured, I'd say it's about time to do something about it. That was an awakening moment for me. And I'll tell you why. I live in a 1956 mid-century modern-ish home. Looks mid-century on the outside, but more modern craftsmen on the inside. In the Pacific Northwest, the dark gray days outnumber sunny days three to one. When we moved into this home 13 years ago, we put in a dark cherry kitchen, which goes with a mahogany wood trim. What I really wanted was a white and light wood kitchen, but couldn't figure out how to do it. I've gone back and forth for years about painting the cabinets white and maybe some of the window and door case moldings and darkening the floors a bit. The real clincher for me is that I, along with my husband and boys, have spent the last two years undergoing seven surgeries, as well as chemo and radiation to beat colorectal cancer. After weeks at a time in a hospital, coming home to a dark home is not very uplifting. I love my home and believe my current kitchen dining area beautiful. It does not give me the light, airy, and zen-like feeling I'd love to have. When I heard Vern's comment on your podcast, I felt both sad and hopeful all at the same time. I have not gone through with painting the cabinets for a couple of reasons. One, a couple of designers and lots of friends have said, don't touch it, it goes with the house. And two, I am not sure if I need to paint all the reddish brown wood. Can I get away with painting the uppers or the perimeter cabinets? My husband is opposed to changing out the expensive granite. Also, the mahogany extends into the living room. See the picture, which I'm okay with. So it'd be nice to leave some mahogany in the dining portion of the space. Like maybe the base molding. Anyway, I would love to get your opinion. And if you can suggest a good white, that would be great. Love, Grace. Or thank you, Grace. Grace, I forwarded, as you know, because I already emailed you back, I forwarded your email to Vern. And he was so pleased that you, that, that his episode meant something to you and he was able to, you know, kind of connect with you. And we're so happy that you wrote us as well. Mm-hmm. So, so she's, she stuck with this Pacific Northwest gray weather two thirds of the time. And now she has a dark wood kitchen and wood molding floor and ceiling. It sounds like sky, what should she do? So this is such a funny question because it doesn't surprise me that she had number one, many designers and friends told her not to do it <laughs> um, because 
and I actually think she should do it. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll give my answer right out I'll there. I'll back so you, you up on great. that one. Yeah. I, first of all, I'm a huge light person. Light brings me such happiness. And when I bought this house, it had a dark mahogany kitchen. And the first thing I did was take the uppers away, paint the cabinets white and put an extra window in just to give the room light because light is so important in healing. Um, I love your house. I, I looked at the pictures. I love how it looks. And I feel like I would paint it all. I would paint the kitchen cabinets. I'd leave the granite. Um, I would paint the molding. I'd paint that door. Your front door would be so pretty white. I'd, I'd paint the windows. Um, my house in Westport, the house I bought with the love of my life, had oak all through it. It had oak French doors, oak windows, oak everything. It looked like a church. It was like oak everywhere. <laughs> and everyone was like, oh, and it's such beautiful oak. And I'm like, I don't like oak. Like, I'm going to paint it. And I painted it and it changed the whole home. My brother has a house in Chicago and he and his wife, it's in the city and they have this big cherry fireplace and molding like your house. And they had me up there one time and they're like, what do you think we should do? And I'm like, I know you're going to hit me. I know you're going to yell at me, but I think you should paint it. Mm -hmm. Like it just, it will lighten the load for you. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you'll ever look back and you know what? It's your home. You have to live there. It has to bring you happiness and comfort. And you've had a tough time. And I understand that tough time. And you need to make your house light and free and a place for you to enjoy. So yes, yes. You know what? We've never, ever had a single dilemma where someone wrote in and said, someone painted over my wood trim. So now I am taking the paint off. No, no one ever says that. Right. Just paint it. You're going to be so much yeah. happier. So much happier. Get a spray gun. Just go spray it. Just paint. Um, and oh, God. That is not great advice. I don't think she should do it herself. No, she should I have agree. a professional no, for sure. Especially, Especially for your kitchen, the kitchen cabinets. cabinets. Yes. I had the best couple do my kitchen cabinets here, and I know it was worth a bazillion dollars because it wasn't a bazillion dollars. It's a tiny kitchen, but um, it's just, it's important to have it done right because of the wear and tear mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to go through. Cabinets, it'll rub off. And that, a good cabinet person will take all the doors off. They'll get them all painted and come back and put it all back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I feel like that was an easy dilemma. Girl, just do it. For some reason, and I don't know why, men are very hesitant to paint wood. They oh, love wood. I don't get it. Um, but they, they'll put up a fight. Um, and if he wants to put up a fight, maybe you could do it in pieces. You know, we've talked about this before. I was before. thinking do the kitchen and yeah. do the kitchen first because yep. it's its own little entity. When I was looking at the pictures, the front door and the molding, I think, connects to that living room. So if you do the kitchen first, you'll feel that freshness and then you could do the living room, which I would totally do because that base molding is doing nothing being that dark brown. No. I mean, I would do it all at once. And I would wait on the floors. The floors might be fine once you do all that white. It mm -hmm. might it might be really mm -hmm. pretty. So you'll get a better price if you do it at once. But I don't know that she <laughs> needs to go dark with the floors. But well, yeah, you don't have to do it at once. Paint it yeah. and then look. Yeah. Take a look. Yeah, yeah. I think she should paint the whole thing and then wait for the floors. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I did the same thing again. My husband did not want to paint this wood paneled room and he 
has definitely changed his tune. And we both love it so much that I wish I had done it years ago. Taryn, right? how many so. years did it take you to wear him down? Mine took me, I think it was six. Yeah, a while. Six. And it is the yeah, coolest but, looking room now. And so does yeah, he actually say amazing. to you, oh, you're right. We should have done this a long time ago. I don't know if the words you are right. <laughs> I have, I've definitely heard I really love, you know, I like the it. feel of this room now. Yeah. That's awesome. So. Here's my question about the kitchen cabinets too. And I don't know about her specifically, but the majority of cabinets built or installed in the last 10 years are all made from laminate anyways. Yeah, so it's not a solid it's not oak like, cabinet. <laughs> exactly. It's not a cabinet. Right. <laughs> it has a dark cherry veneer, but it's not like that's some, you know, I don't know. Yeah, some yeah, um, it's, it's antique. Not, I, right. It's more, yeah, more horrifying yeah. that I painted all that oak. But <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, not to say that I think that that's, if it's original, it should stay the same. I just mean that uh -uh. that's not even real. It's well, more than likely not even real wood. It's, so it's fine. It's, it's yeah. not something that you have to treat, you know, like it's like sacred. I mean, you right. can equate it to fashion or to like China and silver. Like if it's just going to sit in a cabinet, why? Yeah. What good like, is it doing? Yeah. Like you need to use your China. You need to use your crystal. You need yeah. to wear your jewelry. Yeah, wear it and out. You need to paint your wear wood. it out, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. You're gonna be, right. be so much happier, and we wish you all the health and happiness that we absolutely, can. Yes. absolutely. And I have to say that, like getting getting that um, email just made my day because, I mean, we've said it many times. This is just a decorating podcast, but to imagine that it had. A really amazing impact on someone's life is. I love the visual of her in the garden know. listening to yes. the podcast. That's very peaceful thought. Yeah. So, yes. I hope you're yeah. getting lots of sun now that it's spring, almost summer. Yes. Thank you so much, Grace, for listening. We really appreciate it. And thank you for writing in and good luck with your cabinet. Send us an after picture. Yes. Wear that husband down yes. and paint those cabinets. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Sky, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a long time coming, so we appreciate you chatting with us. It was and, fun. Um, Sky, do you want people to follow you on Instagram or do you not want that? Yeah, want to, they can follow oh, me on Instagram. What's your Instagram? I don't know. Uh, yes, you do. I'll look it up. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I can it's look it up. S-K-Y-E something. <laughs> it's uh, Sky, S-K-Y-E, Kirby, K-I-R-B-Y, Westcott, W-E-S-T-C-O-T-T. -T. I love it. You have a great Instagram because you travel all over the world and you always <laughs> give good vibes. All right. Well, um, that is our show. Thank you for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app. Of course, check out the show notes at howtodecorate.com slash podcast and um, send your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And don't forget to enable the how to decorate skill in your Amazon account so you can listen to us from your Alexa. And until next time, happy, happy decorating. decorating.